Still coming to you live from the Eastern Cape ICC here in East London for the Eastern Cape Investment Conference. Um, and I'm joined as we as we have the last conversation around this by the Premier of the Eastern Cape, Oscar Mawiane. Premier, thank you so much for your time. Welcome to uh, the Talking Point. Good to have you. Let's start here. Um, <laughs> and, and I've asked every other guest I've had on here. I've had Vianney uh, Chakana, who's the uh, with 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 um, uh, the yes, development, yes. yeah, with the development corporation, uh, and I, you know, sp- spoke earlier in the previous hour to to, to, to Vuyo, who is uh, Musawana, who's with uh, uh, with Exec in your office, um, and 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 as well as the MEC uh, in, in just a short while ago. Uh, let's let's start here, and I've all asked him this question, and they've all given a semi-different answer. But you, the real authority, here, what is the investment argument for the Eastern Cape? Thank you very much, Oliver, and, and greetings to your uh, listeners, and uh, thanks to have us and give us the opportunity. As you've indicated, uh, we are really trying to get ourselves out of comfort zone. I don't mean we've been in a comfort zone, but uh, almost outside the, uh, to think outside the box. Uh, the Eastern Cape has got its own uh, historical issues arising from the colonialism and apartheid. Yeah. To be where we are, we are one of those problems that you will feel if you are here, you are just neglected. Uh, thanks to the automotive sector uh, that they've been manufacturing cars here over decades. So we've got a very good story uh, to go all out and lure more investors in a number of potential areas. If you look at agriculture, we do have uh, human capital. We do have land in the Eastern Cape. Uh, this, these are two things that are part of your factors of production if you talk about economic development. So yes, capital would be a challenge uh, because you are relying more on the public sector, what public sector can do out of its balance sheet, etc. But private sector has been here, has been part of uh, the province. The story, compelling story that we're putting all out is the Eastern Cape should not be where it is if you look at it from the coastline point of view. Yeah. With 800 kilometer coastal uh, stretch, uh, you should be doing much better on uh, Ocean's economy with all what you're looking at it. Uh, uh, so why, why are you not the country's epicenter for hydropower, for instance, hypothetically? This is exactly the point that I'm saying. Uh, even over the last 20 years, even our government is actually considering that uh, there's been an over-concentration to Gauteng, uh, KZN, and Western Cape. Mm. Without bringing these uh, provinces that are in the periphery, uh, like your rural provinces like Eastern Cape, into the center, you are putting it right. That's another niche that we are mm. following as a province. We are following the niche of um, oceans, economy, agriculture, the cannabis uh, that we're just talking about. Mm. These are potential areas that uh, uh, are most uh, kind of low-hanging, if you look at them from mm. the Eastern Cape point of view. So we're talking to business about those issues. Business is actually warming up. The business is responding uh, to that. So we're looking at the long-term uh, solutions yeah. to these historical challenges that are having our people here. We believe what we are initiating today moving forward will be able to uh, help us to change the socio-economic outlook of our province, but also create greener pastures for younger people. We've been suffering on the uh, sort of a, a brain drain, uh, uh, rand flight, everything that is mm. here, it goes out of the province. Young people, young talent, uh, brilliant minds are leaving the province. Uh, 
they come back at the retirement age. So we're trying to change that arrangement and get our people here, get our people from other provinces coming here, working with us, turn around the social economic outlook. So we're looking at those and we're quite happy with the work that we're doing with national government thus far, as well as the state-owned entities, your, trans, mm. your, your Transnet, your Sunrun, the commitment, because you need this infrastructure involvement for you to stimulate the economic growth in the province. So yeah. we are getting together through the integrated arrangement. We are collaborating around that. So there is some traction, and yeah. we are quite happy with that. So, so, so the Eastern Cape's expenditure priority is social expenditure driven and far less growth capital expenditure right and and, and, and i spoke to the mec uh, mc mvoko in, in uh, just a short while ago about that uh, but it's not out of the ordinary it's on par with national expenditure for instance right yeah. your greatest budgetary items your biggest line item is health and education yeah. yet that's also your biggest governance crisis um, let's speak, for instance, to health. I asked MEC Mvoko, why don't you make it conditional? Why don't you just say to the MEC of health, I'll only give you money if you make sure that you have competent hospital CEOs and HODs um, in your hospitals to make sure that the money is spent in the right way so that they don't send money back, um, so that they don't misuse the funds, right? Uh, and he said to me, I wish I could do that, but only the premier can. So now I'm asking you, why don't you do that? <laughs> no, no, definitely they know. Uh, they know when we started this term, We've made it very clear to everyone that uh, the consequence management is no longer just going to be theory. It's going to be practical. If you are given work to do with clear targets, you must meet those targets. And everyone understands that. As I'm saying here, everyone knows no one will return money to uh, fiscus again simply because of all stories that will come. But, but no you, one your administration be... is three years old now. Yes, I agree. It's three years old. And I can tell you, the work that we've done in government has seen as I was, I was in a meeting with the Auditor General yesterday. Yes, we're still doing relatively uh, not good in education and health, where they we've got biggest. Uh, both, both they account for almost 70% of our budget. But I can tell you, if you look at the ecosystem, all other departments are coming, okay? More than uh, seven departments are in clean audit. Seven public entities are in clean audit in our province. That's work that we're doing. We are focusing there. They're currently at qualification. We're pushing them to, un, uh, to unqualified uh, so that they move forward. We are putting health and education under macro. Yes, problems there are systemic. Very big departments, very challenging. You are right. Competence comes into the space. Because if you've got a corporate service uh, manager, and you've got a problem with your recruitment and all that, things yeah. are not done on time, someone must be held accountable. The MSA and ASO did something else, but if they cannot act to those whom they're supposed to act on, I'm going to act on them. They are clear. Everyone is clear. So we have put that in the government of our province as a system. We are committing and dedicating ourselves. We are not going to leave anything to chance in that space. So. I'm happy to have some ded uh, dedicated team that we've just recently recruited. We've got a new HOD there. We've changed MECs. We've got a new MEC there. The, the, the MEC is so diligent. I know her very well. Okay. The, the, how they work, they will be able to help us to turn around the situation. So, so maybe you sorted out the political problem, but that doesn't automatically solve 
the technical problem. We're talking here about hospital CEOs and hospital HODs and hospital administrators who either are inexperienced, unqualified, or just negligent. Uh, the MEC Mvoko was telling me about how big the medical legal bill is in this province, 400 million. That speaks mm. to a clear issue of competence and negligence. Why are there no competent CEOs in this province as far as hospitals is concerned? There are competencies. Everyone is hired there is, is competently qualified through the process in terms of requirements. It's, it's to qualify it's something else, to actually yes. do it's something else. So this is where we are fixing. There's been this theory here that uh, you need the doctors uh, to be CEOs of hospitals, etc., etc. I, I've since learned something different from that. You need competent managers to run our hospital. Doctors must go to patients. Nurses must go to patients. If a doctor is competent as an administrator with all the relevant uh, qualification that he has acquired, a doctor can run it. But you can't just automatically become a CEO because you are a doctor. We have realized that. We have employed HODs because they are doctors in this province. We have employed CEOs because they are doctors. Because at some point there would be this halabaloo that you are employing wrong people You should be employed. It's a different um, a take altogether when you are becoming practical on the ground. Yeah. So we are looking at competence and we are not second-guessing that and we are putting it as a priority. You must be a competent administrator for you to run an hospital and we are putting that uh, mm. into, in, into place. And I can tell you, this is how we are actually uh, realigning. Uh, we have actually put in our uh, hub and spoke uh, service delivery model where we are saying uh, it cannot be business as usual. Uh, we, we can no longer be conventional, uh, co conventional that this is how things are done here. It cannot longer be about that we are putting a new thinking inculcate a new culture altogether it's difficult it's not easy it's historical because you need to introduce a lot of things including the electro electronic systems uh, the uh, patient files and all that which is the problem that we have we are currently grappling with which has resulted uh, into these big issues of uh, medical etc but i can tell you as a premier i've got sleepless nights myself because if you can't fix education and health will not fix the provincial administration. We can have all other departments on clean audit, but 70% of our budget goes yeah. to those departments. And I'm putting that as my priority myself because it's a legacy to live there. Yeah, we don't have much time left, so I'm going to jump straight into the final theme and perhaps the most difficult one for you to address. I asked the, the other guests we had, and, and, and the answer to, 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 to which they gave me was that, ah, well, it's a national issue, so we are not unique to the national problem. But it's a particular problem here. The blemish to the potential of the Eastern Cape is corruption. Uh, it's become the brand of the province, so to speak, and uh, the brand of the province really should be its beautiful, uh, uh, um, you know, uh, natural offerings. Uh, but corruption is what identifies politics, governance, and the economy of the Eastern Cape. Yeah, sure, it's a national problem. Uh, yeah, sure, the Zonda Commission spoke to its national recommendations, but if anything should be giving you sleepless nights, Premier, it's that, right? Uh, what are you saying to your administrators? What are you saying to your colleagues? What are you saying to your, your, your comrades about the crisis of corruption and malfeasance in the province? I was addressing the entire senior management administration of our province, not only the office of the Premier, the entire, all departments here about two days ago. They were all gathered here, packed into this uh, ICC exactly on such sort of issues that this trust deficit uh, that people have 
But I can tell you, sometimes in the Eastern Cape, things are blown out of proportion. You go to the COVID issues, we are told about 600 cases. On, in reality, you can't see these cases coming forward. We've never had a Zondo Commission here. We've never had some of these things that are going on at a national level. But always, Eastern Cape, uh, there's a bit of obsession about Eastern Cape and corruption. We can't be synonymous. We have said so. We can't be synonymous about corruption. We are uprooting corruption. That's why the first thing that we did when we came in, we said, all executive members, uh, from the Premier down, we are going for a lifestyle audit, full lifestyle, not just a lifestyle audit, done by SSA, almost took a year and a half because it was a comprehensive exercise that puts everything into place because we need to be clean. We need to come out. Was anyone fired from that? That process has just been concluded. It, is, it was not about firing a person, but it's about saying, are you fit to be here? If you have all this, are you living within the means, within the standard you have? That's the, that's the purpose of that exercise. I can tell you where we find wrongdoing, we have acted in this province. And we will not allow corruption to, to, to this province to go on unabating. We are stopping it. We are putting the interest and the lives of our people. Sometimes when you have got money returning to fiscal, it's simply because even those who want to steal, they can no longer steal it because we've closed the tab. So if they cannot spend it, uh, they rather return it. And we don't want that both. The money that is allocated uh, to us as a province from equitable share, it must be spent and spent productively to improve and change people's lives in this province. So we're putting that. So corruption has been there and we're fighting it. I can tell you, this government of the ANC, there's never been an issue, uh, buzzword corruption before 1994. When we're putting in the constitutional democracy, we're very clear that we will have all these malfeasance that will automatically arise out of us uh, being a, a, a governing party. All these issues that we're talking about, uh, all these chapter 9, chapter 10 institution, public protector, agent, they were put in place simply because we knew that we cannot put s systems around individuals because now they are leaders. When those leaders are not their systems are going to collapse. So everyone who's in government must be responsible. Everyone who's in government must be held accountable. Yeah. That's what we're doing. All these institutions, law enforcement agents, etc., who are all out to ensure that we're cleaning the system. So there we are committed. Uh, I can tell you, by end of this term, you'll be talking about Eastern Cape that is totally different from what probably you've heard about or probably from what you used to. Eastern Cape is changing and we are changing it. We are that generation that must discover its mission yeah. and we're going to fulfill it. Yeah, there's only 18 months left to this administration. So uh, we'll be here in 18 months. <laughs> we'll Call me again. You, I'll we'll ask you for the proof. Yes. Thank you so Call much for your again. time. Thank you we really, much. really do appreciate it. Thanks that brings us to the end of the show. Time for your book reading uh, by Advocate Tembegan Nogaitobi.